Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and in part one of this week's episode, I'll be reviewing six of the games from J2 Matchday 29. In part two, John Steele has the other five games, and in part three, we got together to discuss the Emperor's Cup fourth round matches involving J2 teams, as well as preview the upcoming league fixtures. Then to round things off as usual, Mike Guinness has the latest from J3 in JTalk Short Corner. Let's start at the top of the league then, where leaders Machida Zelvia survived a scare away to Fagiano Okayama. The hosts took the lead in the sixth minute. A pass from the left touchline to Yudai Tanaki in midfield. He played it first time out to the right and ran into the box to steer a low cross into the net. Machida drew level in the 39th minute. A free kick from the left touchline swung high into the area. An initial header parried by Okayama keeper Daiki Hodda, a shot blocked, but the loose ball smashed in by Jang Mingyu. Mashida went ahead two minutes into the second half through Eric, who was on hand after Hodda couldn't quite grab a rebound to back heel in off the post. Okayama had a chance to equalise in the 68th minute from the penalty spot after Jang handled the ball while making a sliding tackle, but Solomon Sakuragawa's spot kick was saved by William Pop, and to add insult to injury, Mashida added a third just three minutes later, a long throw headed on at the near post and headed in by Yu Hirakawa. 3-1 the final score, Machida preserved their 6-point lead at the top, while Okayama remained stuck in mid-table. Their 11th, 8 points off the playoffs, and 9 clear of relegation. In Saturday's other game, another late goal from Montedio Yamagata's Yusuke Goto grabs 3 points for them away to Fujieda Mai FC. New signing Ten Miyagi opened his account for Yamagata in the 3rd minute. Quick passing on the edge of the Fujieda area, and a Miyagi shot past a motionless keeper. Yamagata keeper Masaki Goto made a fine save in the 34th minute, leaping full stretch to tip a shot from Keigo Enamoto onto the post. He couldn't do anything about Ryota Iwabuchi's close-range finish in the 46th minute, though, as Fujieda equalised early in the second half. The game looked to be heading for a draw until the 92nd minute, when Fujieda gave the ball away, playing out from the back. A cross from the right was only half-headed away by a defender, and instead of volleying, Shuto Minami laid the ball off for Yusuke Goto to score the winner. Three straight wins for ninth place Yamagata, who sit five points off the playoffs. Fujieda are 12th, eight points clear of relegation, winless in five. On to Sunday's games then, and there was a big game at the Ajinomoto Stadium between third place Tokyo Verdi and fourth place Shimizu Espos, the league's joint stingiest defence against the league's leading scorers. It was the leading scorers who won this one, thanks to a Yuito Suzuki goal in the 35th minute. A well-taken goal, as he had to adjust his feet when a ball deflected up for him to shoot from the edge of the area. That was the only goal of the game, as Matias saved well from Kalinos Jr. on the hour, and Verdi's Yuji Kitajima headed straight at Shuichi Gonda, with 10 minutes remaining. So these teams swap places, both on 49 points, but S-Pulse have the superior goal difference. They're also unbeaten in 7, Verdi suffering from a lack of goals and poor home form, but still in a good position. Zaspakasad's Gumma kept up their hopes of securing a playoff spot come the end of the season with a 1-0 victory in the Kitakanto derby against Tochigi SC. It was Tochigi who had the better of the first half, but they couldn't find a way past Masatoshi Kujibiki in this Gumma goal, and the hosts struck two minutes after half-time. A booming free kick from the left wing headed back across goal and tapped in by Shu Hiramats. There weren't many good quality goal-scoring opportunities after that, and Gumma stay in 8th, two points off the playoffs. Tochigi dropped to 19th, two points clear of relegation. Another match between playoff contenders and relegation warriors took place at the Transcosmos Stadium as Vivar and Nagasaki played Iwaki FC. 
It ended nil-nil, but the game was not without its chances. New Nagasaki signing Marcos Guillerme had a shot well saved early on, while Iwaki's Daiki Yamaguchi headed wide early in the second half. Nagasaki had chances to win at the death, but headers from Masaru Kato and Juanma Delgado were saved and off-target respectively, and Yuya Kuasaki ended a promising move with a wayward shot. Iwaki move up to 17th, four points off relegation, while Nagasaki move up to 5th, overtaking Vanfari Kofu, who lost 2-0 at home to strugglers Zergen Kanazawa. Kanazawa welcomed back midfielder Keita Fujimura and welcomed is absolutely the word as he opened the scoring after a quarter of an hour with a low shot from 25 yards into the bottom corner. Check the replay from behind the goal. It's great. On the half hour, Kofu were agonisingly close to equalising with a free kick from Manato Shinada that beat Kanazawa keeper Yuto Shirai and cannoned off the post and away to safety. Kanazawa doubled the lead shortly before half-time. A goal kick flicked on by Yohei Toyoda and nodded into the path of left-winger Taiki Kato by Koya Okuda, who took a blow to the face in the process. Taiki Kato floated across to the back post, where Junior Kato stuck out a leg to score his seventh of the season and first for three months. Kofu brought on the big guns in the second half, Cristiano and Kazushi Mitsuhira, to join Peter Utaka, but Kanazawa moved to a three-centre-back formation and stood firm to earn their first clean sheet since the 11th of June, their first away win since the 16th of April, and a vital three points to lift them out of the relegation zone, two points ahead of Tokushima. That's all from me. Here's John with the rest of the weekend's action. Thanks, James. Hi, everyone. John Steele here with a roundup of the rest of the J2 Round 29 action from last weekend. Let's start right at the bottom with Omiya Ardija. They have back-to-back wins thanks to a late winner from Jin Izumisawa in their home game against Akita. It finished Omiya 1, Akita 0. In the 90th minute, Masato Kojima picked out Izumisawa just inside the Akita penalty area and he put in a shot that their goalkeeper Kentaro Kakui could only push against the post and into the net. Cue scenes of a wild jubilation inside NAC 5. Before that goal, Akita had missed a great chance to take the lead themselves. Ten minutes into the second half, Omiya's keeper Takashi Kasahana making a superb close-range save from Yukihito Kajia. Meanwhile, the Squirrels nearly made it 2-0 right at the death, only for Angelotti to see his effort cleared off the line by a covering Akita defender. The final score was Omiya 1, Akita 0. Omiya 4 games unbeaten and 4 points behind the second bottom side in the table, Tokushima. Meanwhile, Akita are 7 points clear of the drop zone in 13th and this was their first defeat in four games. So great win for Omiya, but I don't think Akita will be too worried about the relegation zone at the moment. Speaking of Tokushima, there was an incredible finish to their game at home against Jeff Chiba. It finished Tokushima 3, Jeff Chiba 3, with Jeff scoring twice in the final five minutes to earn a draw. Tokushima had made a perfect start in the rain at Pokery Sweat Stadium with a superb strike from Kaito Mori putting them ahead in the 11th minute. He collected a pass about 25 yards from goal and sent a beautiful curling shot past Jeff's standing goalkeeper Ryota Suzuki for 1-0. It was a short-lived lead though as Jeff equalised just six minutes later when a low shot from Koya Kazama from the edge of the box went in off the base of the post for 1-1. Then Suzuki, the Jeff goalkeeper, was called into action to make a couple of good saves as Tokushima threatened again. But then, 10 minutes before half-time, 
the visitors had a golden chance to go in front from the penalty spot after Kazuki Tanaka was bundled over in the area by Tokushima defender Kodai Mori. Hiro Komori stepped up to take the penalty for Jeff, but sent his effort way over the crossbar and Tokushima escaped. Moments after that, Tokushima went back in front. Jeff defender Issei Takahashi slashed the ball up in the air inside his own penalty area when trying to clear. That allowed Kaito Mori to get a volley on target. That was saved by Suzuki in the Jeff goal, but Mori followed up to sweep in the loose ball at close range for Tokushima 2, Jeff Chiba 1. Ten minutes into the second half, it was 3-1 to the hosts following a counter-attack. Akito Tanahashi was able to carry the ball almost 50 yards to the edge of the Jeff penalty area and then put in a shot that deflected off defender Daisuke Suzuki and looped over the goalkeeper for 3-1. After that, there were some good saves from Tokushima keeper Jose Aurelio Suarez, uh, but yeah, he, um, he was kind of making headlines for the wrong reasons after that. With five minutes left, a mistake from him led to Jeff's second goal, he bent down to pick up a harmless-looking through ball from Taishi Taguchi, but somehow let the ball roll through his legs and into the net for 3-2, a very uncharacteristic mistake from him. Then, in the fourth minute of stoppage time, Suarez flapped at a corner from Taguchi, and Koki Yonekura was able to head the ball into the net for the Jeff equaliser at 3-3. Tokushima boss Benya Labayan must have been uh, tearing his hair out on the uh, on the sidelines. But yes, Tokushima 3, Jeff Chiba 3 was the full-time score. Tokushima stay in the relegation zone in 21st, two points adrift of safety, but without a win in 11 matches now. Meanwhile, Jeff at 10th, 10 points clear of the drop zone and 7 points adrift of the playoff places. Another side at the bottom that came close to picking up 3 points were Yamaguchi. Oita needed a 95th minute equaliser to rescue a point from this game. It finished Yamaguchi 2, Oita 2. Things started well for the visitors Oita as they took a 10th minute lead. Naoki Nomura teed up Keita Takahata on the edge of Yamaguchi's penalty area and he smashed a left-footed drive past the home goalkeeper Kentaro Seki first time for 1-0. Yamaguchi drew level just before the half hour with a goal created by new Brazilian forward Silvio Junior on his first start for the club. He crossed from the right for the unmarked Tsubasa Umeki to volley in from about 8 yards. In a very entertaining first half, Yamaguchi's keeper Seki made two smart saves in quick succession to keep Oita out, first from Kazuki Fujimoto and then Hiroto Nakagawa. Just before half-time, Yamaguchi went in front from the penalty spot. Some fancy footwork from Silvio Jr. bamboozled his compatriot Oita defender Derlan, who went to ground and clipped the Yamaguchi striker for a penalty. Silvio Jr. stepped up himself to score for his maiden J-League goal, so it was 2-1 to Yamaguchi at the break, and it seemed as though that was going to be enough for Yamaguchi to earn a very important three points. But Oita levelled through Yusuke Matsuo right at the end of second half stoppage time. He arrived unmarked at the far post to brilliantly volley Takahata's left-wing cross into the net. So that's how it finished, Yamaguchi 2, Oita 2 in a very exciting game. Yamaguchi are three points clear of the drop zone in 18th, but without a win in four matches, while 7th placed Oita are one of three teams on 46 points at the top end of the table, with the other two, Nagasaki and Kofu, 
just inside the playoff places. At Egao Kenko Stadium, it finished Kumamoto nil, Mito nil. Kumamoto, perhaps still recovering from their midweek heroics against FC Tokyo in the Emperor's Cup, couldn't find a way through uh, in this home game against Mito. Kumamoto did pepper the Mito goal with chances in the first half, the always impressive Takuya Shimamura putting one effort just wide of the post and seeing another shot saved. Meanwhile, Mito's big chance came 10 minutes into the second half as Mizuki Ando found himself clean through, chipped to the ball over the goalkeeper, uh, but saw the ball bounce just the wrong side of the post. So Kumamoto nil, Mito nil was the full-time score. Mito a 16th in the table, four points clear of the relegation zone, with Kumamoto 14th. Their level on points though, 33 points each, and uh, Kumamoto haven't won any of their last eight league games. Finally, from round 29, things went from worse to even worse for Sendai, as they were beaten 4-1 away at high-flying Iwata, Sendai now without a win in their last 10 matches. They actually had a good chance to go in front in heavy rain at Ekopa Stadium, but Chihiro Kato saw his shot well saved by Ryuki Mura in the Iwata goal. Then, midway through the first half, Iwata took the lead when Sendai did a pretty poor job of defending a corner. The ball was headed down into the penalty area rather than away from the danger zone, and Masaya Matsumoto took full advantage. He drove the ball goalwards with enough power to take it past Sendai's keeper Akihiro Hayashi for Iwata 1, Sendai 0. Four minutes before half-time, it was 2-0. A pair of Sendai defenders went to clear the same high ball, uh, got in each other's way, and then the ball dropped perfectly for Shota Kanako to control and fire in from the edge of the penalty area. So Iwata 2-0 up at half-time. Ten minutes into the second half, Sendai suffered another pretty fatal setback as their defender, Masahiro Sugata, was shown a straight red card for a high boot on Iwata's Naoki Kanuma. So Sendai 2-0 uh, down and uh, reduced to 10 men. After that, Sendai's keeper, Ayashi, made a smart point-blank save to keep the score at 2-0, but he was beaten again midway through the second half by a towering Rio Germain header, and uh, notably not much celebration from Germain uh, scoring against one of his former clubs. Ten minutes from full time, it was 4-0 when Hayashi spilled a shot straight into the path of the unrushing Matsumoto, who had the simple task of tapping in from six yards for his second goal of the game. So, not many positives for Sendai, but one bright spot was a late consolation goal for their homegrown rookie forward Ryunosuke Sugawara, his first in the J-League with two minutes of the match remaining. Sugawara did extremely well to bring down a deep cross and fire into the roof of the net from a very tight angle to give the travelling Sendai supporters at least something to cheer about. But uh, yeah, the final score was Iwata 4, Sendai 1. Sendai a 15th level on 33 points with Kumamoto Omito, so just four clear of the relegation zone. And I think they're on course to have their worst ever uh, J-League finish at this rate. Iwata, meanwhile, at the other end, stay right on Machida's heels at the summit. They're six points behind Machida with 13 games left to play, uh, although Machida do have a game in hand uh, on them and the rest of the top half, of course. Alright, I think that's all for me from round 29 last weekend then, but please stay tuned in a moment. I sat down with James, a uh, little bit of a change of pace. We talked about the Emperor's Cup uh, performances from J2 sides last midweek, uh, but we also preview the upcoming round 30 fixtures in J2 as well. So uh, yeah, John and James coming up next. Please stay tuned. 
Welcome back to JTalk Extra Time. James and John here. Uh, John, both of our teams had decent wins at the weekend, and I heard you talk about uh, Yokohama FC on, on Big Pod. Very impressive guest performance. I'm a bit concerned about how good Johnny was as host, though. Uh, yeah, hi James. Not nice to talk to you again after a, a short uh, a short break uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Johnny. Um, in terms of sort of interim or caretaker managers, you, you, you know, you couldn't really ask for a better or, or safer pair of hands, could you? But yeah, troublingly good. And I, I will try and sabotage him uh, at some point over the next couple of weeks, just just to just to restore confidence in ourselves. Don't worry. Yeah, but Ben's worried as well down in down in Australia. Uh... Speaking of Ben, uh, we're going to talk about his team first, actually, because we are uh, at a slight change of pace. We're going to talk about Empress Cup matches. Uh, the fourth round took place on Wednesday, the 2nd of August, and there were four J2 teams in action. And uh, only one of those teams won. That's Roasso Kumamoto beat FC Tokyo 2-0. Um, this was, uh, I've got to be honest, it looked like a pretty poor defensive performance from Tokyo but I only saw the highlights and uh, not great quality highlights has to be said but uh, John what, what were your thoughts on this this result? Yeah well I think first of all I have to hold my hands up in my chat with uh, Victor Arroyo last week on the pod this was the game where I think we agreed uh, Kumamoto had no chance and uh, <laughs> this was the, the game where there was least likely to be a, a shock uh, or, or an mm. upset and uh, yeah we were, we were made to look silly and uh, yeah, Kumamoto uh, going into the quarterfinals of the Emperor's Cup, I think for the first time in their history. Uh, and mm-hmm. they, uh, their reward for their hard work is a tie uh, at home again against Kobe, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Big boys from J1 uh, again in the next round. So good luck to them in that game. I'm sure Gary, Gary Ewing will be, uh, will be cock a hoop. Uh, yeah, to be honest, my first thought was on seeing the results. Uh, FC Tokyo must have picked like a weakened team or a B team for this game. But on watching the highlights, I recognised a lot of the players. So I don't think it was the case that FC Tokyo um, had a weakened team out for this game. The squad looked pretty strong. The first 11 looked pretty strong. And as you mentioned, the, the first goal for Kumamoto in just the fourth uh, minute was uh, calamitous and definitely kind of J2 adjacent defending, uh, wasn't it? Because the, the ball was just booted downfield by Kumamoto. And Shun Ito, um, he started his run inside his own half. So for uh, rule fans, that means he can't be offside, <laughs> right? But uh, the FC Tokyo defence was just nowhere in sight. And he ended up going clean through. Uh, the fun didn't stop there, though, because he got round the goalkeeper, Brandon Taishi uh, Nozawa. And then I think a combination of Nozawa and uh, Enrique Trevisan. I've written in my notes was a recovering Enrique Trevisan. He didn't really recover quite well enough because they ended up sandwiching uh, Ito and uh, bundling him over for a penalty, which was scored by Ray Hirakawa. I'm I'm not entirely sure how the, the goalkeeper avoided a red card here. Um, but I wonder if there's, is there that double jeopardy rule, like if you commit a foul inside the penalty area and you, you, you can't be sent off or something like that. I know that was a thing a few years ago. But anyway, um, a start that you could only really be described as calamitous from FC Tokyo's point of view. And then, uh, yeah, I think Kumamoto, they, they fully deserve their win. They were all over Tokyo in the first half. Nozawa had to make two or three uh, good saves to keep them in it at all. And then nine minutes into the second half, it was the, the crucial second goal for Kumamoto, Rimu Matsuoka. Um, he 
picked the ball up about 40 yards out from the FC Tokyo goal, glided past one or two pretty half-arsed challenges, I think it's fair to say, and then fired straight through Nozawa for two. And I think Matsuoka, by the way, has he's reached a tipping point now where he will have been noticed, um, I think, unfortunately, for Gary and other Kumamoto supporters. I'm, I'm sure he's he's done enough now this season to be on a lot of shopping lists uh, for, the, uh, for the winter transfer uh, break. But yeah, that was it, apart from one... Good save late on from a Kumamoto keeper, Ryuga Tashiro. I think uh, FC Tokyo had a young forward, Leon Nozawa, uh, came on for the last few minutes and uh, Tashiro made a good save from him. But um, yeah, to be honest, although this was a, a shock and an upset by, uh, you know, cup football standards, because Kumamoto were in front from the fourth minute onwards and didn't really look in any danger of being pegged back. But by full time, it, 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 it didn't really feel like a shock because mm-hmm. Kumamoto had fully deserved it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw it the same way, James, based on the highlights. Yeah, well, my 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 impression was was of, of Tokyo's terrible defending. And that first the first goal, the defence were all up inside Kumamoto's half and had left enough space for the forwards to to be also inside his half but behind them and none of them noticed he was there until it was too late and then yeah the penalty was just in the third minute that's pretty pretty either they switched off straight away or they hadn't even switched on from kickoff and then for the second goal there was a really awful no-look pass by a Tokyo player not far from Kumamoto's area to give the ball away to Matsuoka and like you said some uh, pretty half-hearted uh, attempted challenges on him as he went on that long run. So, the would it would it be a bit harsh to say that they're a typical Klamovsky team already? Because we have seen a bit of that from Yamagata over the last 18 months yeah. uh, when he was in charge. Remember, or, listeners, James said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, Tashiro, Tashiro did well, and so did Nozawa in goal. Actually, they both both made some good saves. Um, it's good to see. I like I like uh, I like watching Tashiro. He's quite a character, and uh, it's good to see Nozawa getting getting some time for, for Tokyo. But yeah, they've got to be got to be disappointed going out to a, a team in in the division below. And uh, what well, was interesting quirk of Kumamoto's schedule in this tournament so far they they were at home to Ryukyu and then away to Tosu which is just next door then at home to Tokyo and then in the quarterfinal they're going to be at home to Kobe so they've had um, quite a kind draw in terms of travel so far in this this year's competition which is quite quite interesting so yeah they're the only J2 team left so perhaps they're going to take up the mantle of struggling J2 side beginning with K who see off higher division teams to win the cup um, like Kofu did last year, mm. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Kobe, Kobe is a tough, tough opponent. As Kofu found out, actually, Kofu lost 4-1 uh, at home to Kobe. Uh, they went ahead, actually. They were they were one 0 up at half time, but some we talk about bad defending. Some really awful, <laughs> awful defending in the second half. So Kobe scored four goals. Which means the holders are out. Uh, disappointing way for them to go out as well, isn't it, John? 
Uh, yes, I think I think you're right to point out this was just a horrible um, second half from uh, Kofu after being one nil up at the break. It's uh, you know you're you're always disappointed to lose a game, but yeah, the, the defending was so poor uh, in the second half that they they can't really have any complaints. I think um you know Kofu going in front in the twentieth minute, Jumma Miyazaki was credited with this goal, wasn't he? Because he put in a cross mm. from from out wide on the left, but it's it's obvious even on the the shitty quality JFA highlights yeah. that this was an own goal from Daiju Sasaki. Yeah, um, this, I thought so, someone touched it. I couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, I'm not what? really sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure what we're doing yeah. uh, here um, with these. Know. You know, the weather in, in Kofu. Uh, uh, for, from my perspective, the weather in Kofu was really pixelated. Mm. So I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really. Well, there's probably a wider JFA issue to, to, to be discussed yeah. at some point. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, the, the ball went in uh, and it touched a Kobe player last. And I think it was Daiju Sasaki who, who got the last touch. So it's, it's you know, it's up, up to you if you want to record that as an own goal in your in your head cannon, I suppose. But um, yeah, <laughs> in the 53rd minute uh, when Kobe equalised, now this was definitely an own goal. I mean, Jean-Patrick headed the ball down into the six-yard box. And then, I mean, how do you describe this, James? Sodai, Hasekawa, Eduardo Mancha and the goalkeeper, Kohei Koata, all had um, sort of chances to do something. None of them did anything. It was a kind of collective brain fart and the ball ended up going over the line. I think in the end, Eduardo Mancha got the last touch with his hand. So that's, <laughs> that's definitely an own goal. So uh, unfortunate, uh, unfortunate to say the least. Seven minutes after that, Kobe went in front when uh, Kawata, I mean, he got down to parry a shot from Sasaki, but he could only get it as far as Yoshinori Muto, and uh, he uh, does not miss from six yards, and he, he sort of crashed the ball into the roof of the net. And then it was it was easy for Kobe, uh, probably say plain, plain sailing, uh, which is quite a good pun, I think, um, considering Kobe's nautical uh, motif. But yeah, it was 3-1 in the 78th minute, uh, Muto uh, heading down for Yuya Osako, to head in and then four minutes from full time Jean Patrick um, was totally unmarked he planted a diving header past Kawata from another uh, Muto cross this time from the right wing so yeah I think that the disappointment for Kofu will be losing to Kobe is no no um, no surprise at all but to have been 1-0 up at the break uh, and at home and obviously to have won the whole competition last year I think the fact that they they sort of handed four goals to Kobe more or less on a plate is is probably going to be the frustration for them. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Kobe going through is any big surprise. But but Kofu will be annoyed at the the manner in which it happened. I think. Well, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, consider last year they saw off several strong J1 teams with similar squads. I I, I think yeah, Kofu's squad is a little bit better last uh, this year than it was last year, but. Um, they, they didn't make many changes in the winter. So the the team they put out for this match was a strong team. And, yeah, they were ahead. But those all the defending, yeah, that own goal was uh, shambolic. There was comedy goal line defending for, I think it was for the third goal, with someone, like, trying to kick the ball and just kicking nothing. And then for the fourth one, it was I think it was Eduardo Mancha, again, on the touchline, was really easily knocked off the ball and... and Kobe did a quick counter and scored. Really, after after last year and 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 after they 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 they've been putting out a strong team in in the cup. You think that they would they'd be looking to 
of course they're looking to defend their trophy but to to go out in such a such a bad way is it's got to be got to sting but they've still got a chance of uh, winning the ACL as well as winning uh, J2 so they could still do the double if not the treble Mm. Um, and it's just a bad week for them generally they lost 3-0 away to Tochigi in the league before this game and then they lost 2-0 at home I've got to mention it they lost 2-0 at home to Kanazawa after this game so bad week all round for for Kofu really and um, they they need to um, kind of steady the ship because they they've got well, they've got to keep keep pace with the playoff teams, and they've got the ACL coming as well, so their schedule is going to be stretched again. Mm. Might maybe being out of the cup will will actually benefit them in in those in those terms, but mm, we'll see. They've they've done a bit of um, business. Well, they lost um, Sugai. Sugai's gone, isn't he? To mm-hmm. Talked mm-hmm. about that with Johnny the other day, but they've signed Cristiano, who. Uh, Showed off his full range of um, overhit shots and crosses in the, the game against Kanazawa. But if he can settle and link up with the likes of Utaka and Mitsuhiro and Hasegawa, then then they should be fine. But yeah, really disappointing for them. Let's uh, let's move on to another another one then, shall we? This was uh, J2's league leaders Machida somehow lost one nil at home to Niigata um, they they dominated the first hour of this match didn't they but they they, they lost to a 90th minute goal yeah that that's right I think Machida um, didn't really look um, sort of overfaced or overawed by the, the task in front of them f- from kickoff did they and Machida had the better chances probably in the first half um, especially from corners I think they, they seem to have Niigata's number a little bit on the set, set plays and uh, mm. they actually did manage to get the ball into the net uh, at one corner kick in the first half. But there was an offside uh, flag and the, the the goal was disallowed. Things got stretched uh, towards the end of the game. And uh, Shota Fujio uh, had a couple of good chances to put Machida in front, didn't he? He had a shot from the edge of the box that was beaten away by uh, Koto Abe in the Niigata goal. And then he missed the target with a header that um, really should have gone in, I think, uh, late on. And um you know how football is, uh, James. If you miss good chances, you you, you tend to pay, and and that that's what happened. Uh, Nigata went up to the other end, and then in the 90th minute, um, a match defender sliced the ball up in the air, kind of on the edge of the, his own penalty area. Nigata kind of kept the the ball alive, bobbling around in the box, and it eventually dropped perfectly for Yota Komi, uh, mm-hmm. kind of name that we talked about a little bit last year, but not much in in uh, J2. Um, and yeah, it, it just dropped perfectly for him, and he was able to sweep it through. Machida keeper Koki Fukui's legs, and uh, that was in the 90th minute. It put Niigata in front, and, and Machida just couldn't couldn't recover. So um, yeah, it seemed like this game was going to go to extra time, and then maybe it, it could have gone either way. But but Niigata just just sort of hit Machida with a, a sucker punch right at the end. The only other thing I want to mention on this game, uh, James, is uh, this was all of the eight Emperor's Cup games on Wednesday were 7 p.m. kickoffs, except this one, which was at 6:30. Mm. And uh, this game was supposed to be live, uh, sort of free, on the JFA's YouTube channel, uh, JFA TV. And I uh, I tuned in. I mean, I, I didn't tune in because nobody does that. But I, I logged on to YouTube to look for this game at, at 6.30 and couldn't find it. And um, a quick quick check of Twitter revealed that, yeah, all the, you know, match of the supporters, Negative supporters having the same trouble. 
Um, and then about sort of 15 minutes into the the match, the, the JFA tweeted, "Oh, we've got like a technical sort of equipment trouble, and uh, we, we, the the game, the, the the live broadcast hasn't started yet." And then uh, miraculously, around uh, 7 p.m. At the same time that all the other games kicked off, the uh, the the feed did show up, and um, you know we were able to watch the rest of the game live on YouTube. So it just seems a bit to be the sort of conspiracy theorists doing the rounds mm-hmm. is that the JFA just forgot that this game kicked off at 6:30, and um, their kind of guy, the guy that's job it is to flick the switch, maybe just wasn't in the office or wasn't around um, until seven o'clock. So the the, the Tochigi game against Fukuoka, which we'll talk about in a minute, that was also live on 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 YouTube on the JFA channel. So uh, I think somebody somewhere has done a boo-boo there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're ever wondering um, what kind of regard the JFA has for its own flagship sort of tournament, uh, then I, I think that maybe tells you everything that you need to know. Even if it was an equipment problem, um, you know, that even that, that that's like the best case scenario. And that still doesn't paint the, the, the JFA in a particularly good light, I don't think. So, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. Machida uh, will be disappointed to have gone out with a kind of late sucker punch of a goal. But I think as well, yeah, the, the, the JFA hasn't exactly played a blinder either on this one. I don't know. Did, did you watch any of this game or just yeah, the highlights? Yeah, I watched the whole game, actually. I didn't. I wasn't able to watch it live. So I, I watched it on YouTube later that evening. And I was able to watch from the start. Like They had the whole game up mm. from kickoff. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know what they were doing for the live broadcast um very very disappointing for them to disappointing is my word of the week it seems but uh it's concerning that the jfa um forgot what time kickoff was in one of their own broadcasts however this was uh it was quite interesting imagine to put out a strong team and they had so many chances I don't think Niigata had a good for a good chance until about the 55th minute. By that point, Machida probably should have been four or five goals up. Had so many good opportunities, but they just didn't take them. Um, they and they they paid for it, as you said. And, and what what was also interesting about this was it was quite rough. There were some really bad tackles in this one. I think Machida got four yellows in the first half all deserved for clattering into opponents. Um, Niigata weren't completely innocent either. They started doing it back to, to Machida as well, which um, it was quite entertaining as from a neutral. I'm sure if, if, if I supported either of those teams, I would have been getting very annoyed. <laughs> but I quite enjoy seeing players. Is it, uh, is it the sort of thing where the commentator says, oh, nobody wants to see that kind of thing, but the, the reality is we, we all want to see that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, seen players getting kicked up in the air. <laughs> like, uh, that's why that's why we watch uh, classic match of the day and the big match on, <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> and ITV4 because I want to see that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, for the goal, um, I thought it, it was kind of bouncing around, but but before it fell to Yotakomi, the defender who was next to him kind of stepped forward. I think he misjudged the flight of the ball or something because it meant that if he'd stayed where he was, he would have been able to head it clear. But he essentially stepped under the flight of the ball. So it fell to Komi, who was able to score. So I think that that was... Um, I guess it was a mistake, but the, the Machida's main mistake was not scoring any of the 
many chances they had earlier in the game. Mm. And uh, yeah, after their really impressive um, result against Joachim F. Marinos in the previous round, um, shame that they went out uh, in in the fourth round. But again, losing to a, a J1 team is not not um, no disgrace. And I mean, these teams will probably be in the same division next year. So. Um, one way or another, I'm assuming that they'll both be in J1. <laughs> so, yeah, Machida's squad, it, it, they, they, I think they've shown over the last couple of rounds that they, they can mix it with, already they can mix it with J1 teams. Um, I don't know what kind of squad Marinos put out or team Marinos put out in the previous round, but they, um, we've seen how good Machida are against J2 opposition and with better finishing, they would have they would have beaten J1 opposition again um, mm. in in this match. So yeah, one nil one nil to Nigas is, is is how that finished. One more match to talk about, um, quite an entertaining one. Tochigi two, Fukuoka four. After extra time, um, the it was two two after 90 minutes. Fukuoka got two goals in quick succession in extra time. Um, great effort from Tochigi. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I kind of want to sort of try and rehabilitate myself after writing off Kumamoto in the FC Tokyo tie because I did I did point out talking to Victor last week, Tochigi might give Fukuoka a few problems, and mm. uh, even though they've ended up losing the game uh, narrowly, uh, you know, in 120 minutes, I thought this game was in the balance for quite a long time, and mm. uh, I think Tochigi did did ask Fukuoka quite a few. Um, questions. It, it seemed like it might have been going for Quokka's way early on, didn't it? Because they went in front after about 20 minutes. Uh, Tatsuya Tanaka crossing to the back post for Ryoga Sato, of course, the former Tokyo Verdi uh, sharpshooter to sweep in a volley. So Fukuoka were 1-0 up uh, quite early on. But Tochigi were level thanks to a penalty right at the end of the first half. A nice uh, footwork from Ryo Nemoto. He skipped past Douglas Grolly's challenge, burst into the penalty area. And uh, yeah, Fukuoka's goalie, Takumi Nagai, she went a, bit, uh, went a bit mad, didn't he? He came out to dive at Nemoto's feet. And uh, I think there was some minimal contact, but uh, strikers are not going to pass up the opportunity to uh, to go down in that situation, aren't they? He 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 earned Tochigi a penalty there, and uh, Nemoto stepped up and, and scored it himself. Six minutes into the second half, the game was turned around and Tochigi went in front, and it was Nemoto again, this time heading in a, a header at the far post from a, a deep Yojiro Takahagi free kick. So it looked as though Tochigi might be might be heading through, but just. Uh, Within three minutes uh, of taking the lead, they were pegged back by uh, Wellington. That's another name, another blaster from the past for me. He uh, headed in across a point-blank range in the 54th minute to make it 2-2. And then we went into extra time. Fukuoka nearly went 3-2 up right at the start of the uh, the additional time when they hit the post. And then, yeah, only six minutes remaining of the extra time period, six minutes away from penalties. And uh, Fukuoka went 3-2 up after a mistake, really, from Tochigi's keeper Shuhei Kawata, I'm a big fan of his, but I, I can't really defend um, his uh, his play here. He made a, a bit of a mess of dealing with a shot from the edge of the box. He spilled it straight out to Lukian, um, who's another kind of JTET. Uh, J- these are just JTET names of yesteryear being uh, rolled out here. But Lukian, uh, yeah, he uh, he doesn't miss from six yards, and he didn't on this occasion. He put Fukuoka back in front. And then I think Tochigi's resistance, the spirit was a little bit uh, broken at that point. Just a few minutes later, three minutes later, it was 4-2. Yuya Yamagishi 
Uh, again, James, another JTET uh, alum uh, with a header from a corner. So, yeah, 4-2 to Fukuoka after extra time. But I don't think Tochigi disgraced themselves in any way, uh, shape or form. I thought this was... Uh, this was kind of the, the sort of excitement that you, you want or expect from, from cop football, I think. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I think from what I saw of Tochigi in this match, it seemed like um, there's quite a, some quite attractive attacking play from them, which they also did in the Cup last year. I remember their game against Kyoto was particularly entertaining. They were really going for it. And it's not... Not the sort of thing we tend to see very much from Tochigi in the league. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately it wasn't enough to see off um, Fukuoka in this match. And, but they, they didn't help themselves with some, I'd say, uncharacteristically sloppy defending. I think it's fair to say that Tochigi are generally pretty good defensively, although they are you know, quite low down in the league table. They're, they're, not, they're not a team that gets thrashed. Um Leone Moto is, is, is always an impressive uh, performer for Tochigi, so a couple of goals for him was good. I thought that Wellington goal, I've written quintessential Wellington. I think he he, he scores a lot of that kind of uh, big, goal. Uh, big and basic. Yeah, more that <laughs> on brand. Yes, he needs to come back to J2 then, doesn't he? And uh, well, I think the the main difference between these te- teams. Aside from the fact that one is one is in J2 and one is in J1, would have been the schedules going into this match, because Tochigi have been going through their their usual a game a week uh, in J2, whereas there haven't been any J1 games for a few. I've no idea why they have this break in the middle of the season. Um, but so Fukuoka had like a couple of weeks off. So I think that that meant that they had more energy. So when it went to to extra time, that's why they were able to to prevail and get those those two goals. And the fact that they were in quick succession meant that um really kind of um took the wind out of Tochigi's sails and they 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 didn't have a have a chance to get back into it mm. um remaining remaining mm. time. Mm. So yeah, losing losing 4-2 after extra time is of course, no one likes to lose, but I think it's a great effort, great effort from Tochigi. Mm. And uh, so we uh, we have one, just the one J2 team still in in the cup, and that's that's Kumamoto. So their quarter final at home to Kobe is on the th- Wednesday, the 30th of August, and that game's going to be shown live on NHK's uh, BS1 channel. Uh, I've wonder, always wondered what BS stands for, but. Uh, Oof, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Let's move on and talk about the league, shall we? Because we've got uh, league matches coming up this weekend, of course. Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th of August. By the way, I think we've we've just spent about 25 minutes talking about the Cup. We only talked about half of the games, but we've still probably given it more attention than the uh, actual organisers of the tournament. So, uh, JFA, that's how it's done. Uh, anyway, Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday the 12th, there are six games, three games at six o'clock, Mito against Nagasaki, Machida against Iwata, first against second, Shimizu against Yamaguchi, and then at seven o'clock, Yamagata against Jeff United, Kanazawa against Kumamoto, and Oita against Fujieda. 
uh, John, I, I, I can guess what you're going to say, but anything that interests you from Saturday? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll throw you just one quick curveball because um, yeah, mm. you're right. You're right. I think you, you do know what I'm going to say. But Yamagata against Jeff, um, mm. potentially interesting game because they're kind of. Uh, and I know I'm probably going to cop some heat for this. They're, they're talking about Jeff and the playoffs in the same sentence, but they have been in good form over the last month mm. or so. Um, they're, they're not exactly in the thick of the, the, the kind of hunt for top six places, but I think um, a win for either side here would probably put them obviously a bit closer to that, that top six. So um, yeah, both of the teams will be, will be looking to get win there. Obviously I fancy Yamagata to win it because they're at home. So that that will again just keep their their playoff ambitions alive. And considering what a state they were in for the first few months of the season, um, mm. it's a pretty impressive recovery. But yeah, there's uh, no two ways about it. Is there? Machida Iwata is the big game uh, at 6 p.m. on on Saturday. If Iwata can win it, and I wouldn't put it past them, the gap at the top will be down to three points, mm. uh, which would make the running even more exciting. However. Um, mathematics be damned I've, I've prepared carefully if Matt should win that would put them nine points clear with uh, 12 games to go and you would imagine that is an unassailable uh, lead so uh, yeah plenty on the table for Matt Chida and Iwata uh, and Yamagata and, and Jeff Chiba to uh, to, uh, to to look uh, to kind of target on, on Saturday I think yeah I'd also say although on the face of it, 20th against 14th, Kanazawa against Kumamoto doesn't sound that exciting. There is only two points difference. Kumamoto are on 33 points in 14th, Kanazawa on 31. So this is there's quite a lot riding on on that game as well. Um, yes, it's good that this the games are spread out over the weekend because uh, it means that we can we can really get into it because there are five games on Sunday as well. Two of them at six o'clock, Akita against Tokyo Verdi and Iwaki against Kofu. And in three games at seven o'clock, Tochigi against Tokushima, Sendai against Gunma and Omiya against Okayama. What are you thinking about Sunday's games then, John? Yeah, I think there's, uh, again, plenty uh, plenty to uh, get excited about. But I think 7 p.m. is really the, uh, the money shot, uh, James. And... Sendai against Gunma, okay, 15th against 8th. Uh, 8th doesn't sound too exciting, but Sendai has been so poor for the last couple of months. Mm. Um, seems to be going from bad to worse. You, you just kind of wonder, with apologies to Sendai supporters who might be listening, you just kind of wonder how low they can mm. go um, as a neutral. And um, yeah. Gunma, obviously, no slouches this season. It'll be um, interesting to see if Sendai even move on changing managers again for example, if, if Gunma win that game. So I'll have one eye on Sendai Gunma on Sunday evening. But um, it's at the bottom of the table where the um, the magic's going to happen, isn't it? Tochigi against Tokushima just looks massive. 19th against 21st. Mm. Uh, Tokushima, we haven't really talked about as being in the relegation. Uh, you know, when we, we seem to always be talking about other teams when we're talking about the bottom of the table. But Tokushima, they're right down there. Mm. Um, you know, and it, even though it seems kind of inconceivable that they'll be relegated at the moment they're in the bottom two so uh so that that makes it a possibility and you know the defending in that game against jeff at the weekend was so bad that um even if they were higher up the table i'd probably be worried about them just on the basis <laughs> of the some of the goals they conceded in that game and jose Aurelio suarez goalkeeper normally so reliable such a safe pair of hands not having the best of times at the moment so uh, a win for Tochigi would obviously boost their survival hopes and, and, and keep Tokushima right in the brown stuff. So I think that's a big game. 
And uh, sort of by extension, Omiya Okayama, also a big one. Omiya, you know, two uh, back-to-back wins in the last couple of games, four games unbeaten. There, there are signs of life or signs of hope for them. I don't know if they'll be able to make it three wins on the bounce against Okayama because we know Okayama are quite a tough nut, uh, tough nut to crack. But if Omiya can get some points from that game and, and Tokushima lose, then, you know, Omiya will have closed the gap quite considerably in just a couple of matches. So um, I think it's at the bottom of the table, Tochigi, Tokushima and Omiya Okayama, where the uh, where the real kind of uh, the big games are. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I also think I think it's 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 worth but we don't really go through the league table on 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 the board, but I think it's worth pointing out there are only four points covering 14th place Kumamoto to 21st place Tokushima Kumamoto on 33 points Tokushima on 29 points and then Omiya are only four back from Tokushima so it's very congested and then there's a, as you mentioned just now there's six points from from Machido in first to Iwata in second and five, further five points back, you've got Shimizu and Tokyo Verdi. And then three points back to Nagasaki and Kofu and Oita. And then the teams that I haven't mentioned, I mean, Gunma are only a couple of points off the playoffs. Now Yamagata mm. are only five points off the playoffs. Jeff are in incredible form, playing really well. Scored two mm. late goals to come back from 3-1 down against Tokushima. There are great results against the likes of Shimizu and, and other teams recently. So they're, go, they're flying at the moment. There's no reason why they couldn't make the playoffs with seven seven points off. Well, there, there is Pick one up. reason. There is one reason well, why I they mean, could, James Pott. Okay, yeah. The, big, the biggest reason. <laughs> Fine. There's one big reason, but there are... <laughs> no, no logical, no logical reason. No, uh, the essence of Jeff is 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 no logical reasons <laughs> for anything. <laughs> but even teams like um, so 11th, 12th, 13th, Okayama, Fujieda, and Akita, they 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 can't afford to rest on their laurels. But they're not in the relegation battle. But a couple of bad results, and they could be. Whereas, and also for okay for for perhaps for Fujieda and 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 Okuyama as well, a couple of good results, and they can push themselves up into the playoff picture again. So really, I think we're at the stage of the season where every team has got something to play for, and every game's got something riding on it. And I mean, I'd prefer it if my team was not in the uh, <laughs> in the middle of the relegation dogfight again but it does mean that things are exciting exciting maybe not exciting stressful <laughs> at least it's not just it's stressful for like nine other teams as well it stressful in a good way no i don't about good <laughs> i feel alive at least <laughs> healthy health healthy level of stress mm, for now mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so again we've got a really good a really good weekend of, of J2 football coming up, I think. And it, as I said, it's spread out over the weekend, so we can really get stuck in and and and, and watch a lot of it, hopefully, and, and have plenty to talk about next week. Um, but I think we can leave it there for now. John, uh, it's good to talk about the Cup for a change and a little bit about the league as well. Thanks very much for your, for your time and your analysis. Yeah, no worries, James. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and downloading. And, uh, of course, thank you to the patrons who support us and J Talk podcast uh, with uh, cold hard cash. Uh, don't go anywhere. It's coming up next. Mike Innes has all the latest from J3 in J Talk Short Corner. 
Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 21 of the J3 season as well as previewing the round 22 matches coming up this weekend. There were six games on Saturday the 5th, and in this division's traditional style, none of the top three teams in the table managed to win. Leaders Ehime FC dropped two points at FC Gifu, despite, or perhaps because of, coach Kiyotaka Ishimaru making eight changes from last week's draw with Matsumoto Yamaga. Signs that Ishimaru thinks things could be improved, while similarly for Gifu, Yusaku Ueno switched formation away from the 4-4-2 he's been using for the last four months. And neither coach can have been satisfied with what he saw here. Lots of off-target shooting, especially from the visitors, whose Yuta Fukazawa came closest to breaking the deadlock with a low strike against the post. And the game ended with the sending off of Gifu sub Ayumu Matsumoto for pulling down Asahi Yada, his second dismissal of the season. Final score, Gifu nil, Ehime nil, six without a win now for Gifu, who have some tricky fixtures to come over the next month. Their 11th. The Mighty Mikans are unbeaten in eight and stay top of the table, but their form in reality remains less than compelling. The same is also true of Katare Toyama, held to a home draw by FC Imabari. Katare did go in front in the 13th minute. Their right-sided partnership of Daichi Matsuoka and Daiki Yagishita bearing fruit once again. Matsuoka laying it off for the overlapping Yagishita, whose cross shot was parried by Genta Ito, but rebounded off Ryota Ichihara for an own goal. Having offered little in the first half, Imabari drew level two minutes after the restart. Yuta Mikado threading it through for Marcus Vinicius, whose cutback reached Kantachiba for a composed finish. Three in two games for Chiba, and is Mikado at 36, the top performing veteran in the division? And it's hard to think of a better foreign player in J3 than Marcus, who 11 minutes later played a crossfield ball to Takatora Kondo, who skipped past Yagishta and crashed a 25-yarder in at the near post. Toyama coach Michiharu Otagiri responded with a trio of substitutes, one of whom, Yoshiki Takahashi, scored the equaliser within five minutes of coming on. A neat one-two with Shunta Takahashi slicing open the away defence and paving the way for a low-angled finish. Final score, Toyama 2, Imabari 2, seven points from the last six games, Definitely not promotion form for Katare, although they cling on to second. For Imabari, their ninth draw of the season, which explains why they're still no higher than fourth. And third-placed Kagoshima United fell to defeat in their match at neighbours Tegevajano Miyazaki. 
Now to Otake's Kagoshima were behind inside two minutes. Shosei Okamoto allowing Kazuma Nagata's cross to go past him and be guided in at the near post by Daisuke Ishizu. The Smoking Volcanoes pulled level 12 minutes into the second half. Atsuki Satsukawa's deep cross causing problems for the home defence. Junki Gordio cutting back inside and firing in at the near post. 13 minutes later though, Satsukawa was slow to close his man down as Ryohei Yamazaki took control of a loose ball, moved into space and finished in the top corner. Miyazaki held on to their advantage when their keeper Kokoro Aoki got down well to tip a shot from Seiyatake around the post. And the points were confirmed for Tegevajaro in the last minute of the 90. Yuta Shimozawa taking advantage of more hospitable Kagoshima defending as he picked up the ball in space on the edge of the area and lashed it past Kenta Matsuyama. Shota Suzuki's neat finish from a cross by Eisuke Watanabe at the other end amounted to a stoppage time consolation. Final score Miyazaki 3, Kagoshima 2, Tegevajaro able to take advantage of a lacklustre defensive performance from the visitors, they jump to 12th. Kagoshima welcomed back from long-term injury J3 legend Rei Yonezawa as a second-half substitute, but he couldn't affect their recent inconsistent run of form. They stay third. Gainane Tottori's home game with Matsumoto Yamaga pitted Kohei Masamoto's rapidly improving Gainare side against Masahiro Shimoda's determinedly inconsistent Yamaga. Masamoto has transformed Tottori into a team on the fringes of the promotion race, and their victory in this game moved them above Matsumoto in the standings. They were 2-0 up at half-time, Yuta Togashi opening the scoring when he picked up a loose ball, turned defender Saul Fujitani inside out, and fired in from the edge of the area. Taku Ushinohama grabbed the second when he escaped the attentions of Akira Ando to find space and head in Kentaro Shigematsu's cross. Midway through the second half, Makoto Fukuin had the chance to make it 3-0, but his low shot was well saved by Tomohiko Murayama. And soon afterwards, Yusuke Kikui pulled one back in spectacular fashion, striking home an angled free kick, which caught homekeeper Koshiro Itohara off guard. From then on, Gainane had the better chances, but there were no further goals, meaning a final score of Totori 2, Matsumoto 1. Gainane now looking an assured competitive team up in sixth. This, an important spell of the season for Yamaga, who on a poor run of form play Toyama, Kagoshima, Imabari and Osaka in their next four matches. They now sit eighth. SC Sagamehara coach Kazuyuki Toda can't be accused of an overcautious approach to addressing his side's perilous position at the foot of the table. In the last few weeks, he's changed the team's formation to a three at the back, switched around the positions of several individual players, such as erstwhile central defender Daisuke Kato, now utilised as a forward-focused wing-back. 
and signed no fewer than five new players, all of whom started the crucial match at home to Kamatamari Sanuki. As with the Gifu Ehime game, there was lots of off-target shooting in this one, but for Toda's new-look team, clear in the knowledge that the first step along a road up the standings is taken by winning home matches against the sides just above them. The only moment that mattered came in injury time, when Yuzo Iwakami sent in a hopeful long-range shot. Kamatamari keeper Yusuke Imamura couldn't hold on to it, and Takumu Fujinuma was on hand to clip the rebound into the net. Final score, Sagami had a 1, Senuki nil. Seven points in the last four games for Toda and his players, although they stay bottom. For Atsushi Yoneyama's Kamatamari, their four-game unbeaten run comes to an end, and they're seven points off the foot of the table in 17th. And FC Ryukyu's game at Vanderare Hachinohe was postponed as a result of typhoon conditions in Okinawa making travel impossible. News on a date for the rearranged fixture to follow. Then on Sunday the 6th, this year's surprise package Azul Claro Numazu travelled to Fukushima United, knowing a win would take them up to third in the standings. And in only the fifth minute, a scrambled effort gave Numazu the lead after Kyotamochi exchanged passes with Hagami Wada and hooked it over the line. On 19 minutes, though, Azul Claro's defence was rocking as Tatsuya Anzai mishit a back pass, enabling Kota Mori to pick up possession. Mori's shot was blocked by keeper Hiromu Musha. Hiroto Yukie's follow-up header hit the bar. And Fukushima soon afterwards pulled level, a corner kick routine that led to Yukie setting up Tomohiko Miyazaki for a shot that fizzed through a crowded area, deflected off Anzai and went in. Fukushima remained on the front foot and Yukie played a key part in the home side going ahead eight minutes into the second half. A counter-attack that led the Azoclaro back line exposed. Yukie played the ball out to Ryo Shiohama, whose 15-yard shot had too much on it for Mushat to keep out. Kenshiro Suzuki starting up front in place of the suspended Noah Kenshin Brown had a header ruled out for offside as the closest the visitors came to an equaliser. Final score though, Fukushima 2, Numazu 1. A first home win of the season for the hosts who continue their improvement under Mitsumasa Yoda. Yukie making a contribution both as a finisher and someone who pulls teammates into play. Fukushima stay 18th, but are now only five points off mid-table. Three away games without a win for Azul Claro, who slip one place to fifth. Victory for Fukushima, victory for Sagamihara, and also for the other team in the bottom three, Giravance Kitakyushu. In a three o'clock kickoff at Nana Club, the punishing summer conditions meant 
there wasn't much intensity or goal mouse action. Not surprisingly, it was a set piece that produced the game's only goal when just before the hour, Nana switched off while defending a short corner routine and Shun Hirayama got his head to Ryosuke Tada's cross for his first goal of the season. The home side almost pulled level when Ginavant's defender Kota Muramatsu deflected across onto his own post, but the Sunflowers worked hard to defend their lead and keeper Yuya Tanaka barely had a save to make. Final score Nara nil, Kitakyushu won. Nara's top scorer Hayato Asakawa unable to make any impact here and it's no wins in the last four for Julian Marin Basilo's team who tumble to 10th. Giravants stay 19th and continue to base their survival hopes on results away from the Mikuni World Stadium. Talking of bad home results, AC Nagano Parseiro experienced a nightmare second half to go down to Iwate Guruja Morioka. Goalless opening period on the increasingly bumpy pitch at the Nagano U Stadium, but on 56 minutes, a neat bit of combination play between Douglas Oliveira and Kenneth Otabo up against a sleepy home defence led to the unmarked Otabo scoring his second in two games with a shot that squirmed under Taro Hamada. Then in the 72nd minute, Otabo worked well with Takuto Minami to set up Ren Fujimura, who made it 2-0 with a rising angled shot. Poseino's best chance came four minutes later. Naoki Sanda's left foot shot tipped over by Kenta Tanno. And deep into injury time, Guruja sub Toi Kagami rubbed salt into the host's wounds, converting the rebound after Hamada had blocked his initial shot. Final score, Nagano nil, Iwate 3. Poseiro, who looked absolutely exhausted by the end, here reverting to the sort of performance they produced when losing 4-0 in consecutive weeks, and they're back down to 15th. Guruja's best result since mid-March. They move up to 9th, level on points with Matsumoto. And finally... I called for goals between FC Osaka and YSCC Yokohama, and goals are what I got. As at Nagano, it was 0-0 at half-time at Hanazono, although YSCC's Yusei Kayanuma, on his 30th birthday, did hook a shot onto the bar after Tatsunari Nagai had saved Sho Fukuda's effort. It was a well-worked goal ten minutes into the second half that gave the visitors the lead. Kayanuma receiving a pass from Takahiro Nakazato and laying it off for Yasuto Fujita, who rifled in an unstoppable shot. And Kei Hoshikawa's team doubled their advantage in the 72nd minute when keeper Jun Kodama hammered the ball upfield. Fukuda was far more alert to the possibility than defender Takeru Itakura or hesitant keeper Nagai and stole in to finish for his first in seven. In response... Osaka coach Ryo Shigaki threw on big defender Shusako Sakamoto and within seconds he'd pulled a goal back, left free to head in Keita Hidaka's corner kick. And less than two minutes after that, YSCC failed to get it clear and, in something of a scramble, the ball came to Shunsuke Tachino who blasted it into the roof of the net. 
There was almost a final dramatic twist in this one. YSCC sub Haruki Oshima powering in a header that brought a superb reflex save from Nagai. Final score though, Osaka 2, YSCC 2. Shigaki's team are unbeaten in 10, but have drawn 6 of those to sit 7th. Carlos Arroyo starting to become more of a focus for YSCC's attacking play. The team remain outside the bottom six in 14th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 21. The top six are Ehime with 40 points, Toyama with 37, Kagoshima. 34, Imabari and Numazu, 33, and Totori, 30. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Nagano with 26 points, Ryukyu and Sanuki with 24, Fukushima, 23, Kitakushu, 19, and bottom of the table with 17, Sagamihara. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 22 fixtures this weekend when there are six games on Saturday the 12th. Second placed Toyama go to Matsumoto. Another big game for Imabari there at home to Gifu. Osaka head down to Ryukyu. There's a mid-table Tohoku derby between Iwate and Hachinohe. Among the strugglers, Kitakushu head down to Miyazaki and Fukushima go to YSCC. Then on Sunday the 13th, the game of the round is Leaders Ehime at home to Inform Totori. Kagoshima play host to Nagano. Fascinating match at Numazu where the visitors are Sagamihara. And finally... Nara take on Sanuki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>